0: Welcome into the 11 Dubcast presented by the Dry Goods store at 11warriors.com, drygoods.11warriors.com. I am Johnny. He is Andy. Well, let's celebrate a little bit. We've got a Nebraska win that, well, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but this Nebraska win was perceived, I think, by a lot of Ohio State fans as validation for the Buckeyes. In other words, this was a road game game at night against a team that's supposed to be somewhat decent you know a lot of people were picking them as maybe one of the most improved teams in the country this season um did the game live up to the hype for you i i I was incredibly pleased obviously by the outcome but i want to know andy is is this exactly what you want to see from the ohio state football team
1: i think this game is uh the perfect rorschach test for how you look at Uh, at Ohio state or how you look at, uh, teams in general early in the season. So if you go in to a game like Nebraska, believing that Ohio state is one of the best teams in the country, this was absolutely confirmation of that. If you went into the game thinking Ohio state looks great on paper, but, uh, they ain't played nobody. Well, this game confirmed that bias as well, right? So you went into the game. Um, it just depends on what, what your priors were, I don't think this convinced people, um, you know, who had extremely tightly held opinions either way. Now, what was interesting where this lived up to the hype for me, I went into it thinking, here's, here's the test of, can this team, uh, look as crisp look as professional, if you will, as they've looked the first four weeks of the season, you go into one of the absolute best environments in college football uh lincoln is is a fantastic venue for a game obviously you know despite getting their their doors blown off um the nebraska faithful were there late in the game in force getting jacked up about you know a a late fourth quarter touchdown to just get on the board you know i mean those people were fired up
0: yeah. And it wasn't like a Bronx cheer either. They were, they no, were down for it. It they, was great.
1: Yeah, they were you know, they're getting jacked up for pass interference penalties down 40 some points, you know? Right. So I, I look at that and say the, there was a team Ohio state made very few mistakes until, you know, the backups were in late in the game. There were, there were, I mean, aside from that, um, the one out of bounds uh, hit early in the game. There were there were what none or very few stupid mistakes. Uh, so I, I love that because it's a tough environment to be in. You know, everybody talks about a hostile environment, but you could just hear, even you know how many ever hundred miles away through the television. Uh, just what energy was in that. So I, I was pretty pleased with the game. I love these primetime matchups. I wish Nebraska was better, you know, so I have uh, <laughs> nothing but love for Nebraska as, a, as an institution, as a team, one of the all-time great programs in college football history. I wish they were better. I think they will be. I think Frost's probably the right guy to put something together there, but they're getting farther and farther away from the national relevance that you expect from a program like Nebraska.
0: Yeah. And here's, here's what I would say. I mean, first of all, I, I really enjoyed the game as a whole. I thought it was incredibly entertaining, you know, obviously from a high state f- standpoint, but as you mentioned the crowd and the atmosphere was excellent, you know, the opponent, I mean, and this is when you said, you know, this is a Rorschach test. I think that's dead on because this really is kind of a, you know, for a high state fans, this is a you know proof positive that the team is, is one of the best, if not the best in the country. And for teams that aren't convinced by Ohio State's, you know, early season schedule, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. And and look, if you're actually watching the game, you can tell that this is a team that, in my opinion, is, I don't want to say necessarily better coached overall, at least in terms of the head coaching. I, I think you know, positionally they're definitely better coached. But just a team that seems to be much more organized and on the same page about things. I mean, it's it, it's very clear, you know, that everybody on the field at any given point in time knows exactly what the agenda is for what they're trying to do in a game. And that's, that's amazing because especially when you get down, you know, in third and long and things like that, you, you know that they've got a pretty good chance of out scheming whatever the opposing defense is going to do, for example. Um, you know, as far as the, as far as what this game means uh, on a national level, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this later. I don't, you know, it, it's hard to say that this is a disappointment, you know, in terms of like, prestige and things like that because who is you know anybody else played right like ohio state isn't exactly like playing chumps while everybody else is playing a murderer's row and they're going to fall behind in perception all that you're going to get games like this at the beginning of the season but if you're an ohio state fan you want an early season opportunity to really you know show your chops a little bit and i just don't know that nebraska at this point in time is a team that's going to be able to do that so Again, the game itself, awesome, right? Ohio State started out with a touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, 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 you know, (laughs) field goal, touchdown. And then they got their final, they actually punted, you know, with like five minutes left in the game or something like that, Um, or maybe 10 minutes left in the game. And the point is, is that from a domination standpoint, they were excellent. Um, I don't know what that means nationally, but I sure as hell enjoyed watching the football game.
1: You see, and that's one of the things that I think is a challenge when you start talking about the perception game is is what's more impressive uh to a given and we're going to talk about poll voters in specific but just let's say your average college football analyst watching you is it is it that gritty hard fought win or is it they holy smokes they you know pulled a foghorn leghorn picking the dog up by the hind end and paddling with the two before i mean that's right. <laughs> that, that's what we saw last night and uh or, or so that's you know you look at the different ways you slice it it's it, it's a good question it's a good discussion every every voter every viewer has their own preference there but the thing i liked about it it was an exciting game early on uh it was one of the you know highest rated games maybe the highest rated game of the season so far uh, espn put a presser out about it uh, talked about how fantastic the ratings were so you can and say a lot of people saw it. it's one of the things i love about the night games sure. when you're trying to you know, in this era where style points matter and you, you're, you're dealing with subjective humans here later in the year, deciding who gets to play for the, the big trophy at the end of the year, uh, getting, getting your brand of football, uh, on the air at a prime viewing slot and having people like Kirk Herbstreet and Reese Davis and Joel Klatt talk about, this is the best team in America or, or one of the top four that can't, that can't hurt later on down the line when it actually matters.
0: Well, let's, so let's talk about the game just a little bit before we shift to that, because I I think we would remiss if we didn't shout out JK Dobbins for having a monster game, right? 177 yards. And really, I was actually impressed and I, I figured they might try to do something like this, but I was impressed by how they were able to establish the running game like immediately because I really felt that that was something that Nebraska would try to take away, right, and force Justin Fields to try to win the game with his arm. And they didn't have to because they, they, you know, we talked about balance and, and how unbelievably, you know, kind of crazy it's been that they were able to, you know, keep that uh, pass rush balance offensively. They didn't have that against Nebraska, and I think that was by design. I mean, they had 368 yards on the ground, and every single one of those yards seemed absolutely intentional on the part of Ryan Day, just to grind the uh, the corn huskers into into dusts and um they did and jk Dobbins you know he becomes what the 11th buckeye to tap uh 3000 yards in a career which is a crazy list frankly and also the fact that you know it he was playing in really a pass first offense last season um it, it's remarkable what he's been able to do and honestly like he is, he looks like a new man this season he is he's running with purpose and he looks really dangerous
1: and what a, what a, just blows my mind about how good The rushing game is for Ohio State right now. You've got three ball carriers in that game with at least a dozen carries, averaging more than six yards a carry. You know, so Dobbins at seven and almost seven and a half yards a clip. I mean, the number of times you watched a first down play, you can say this about the passing game too, but the number of times you saw a first down play yield 10 yards was not an insignificant number. I didn't sit there and count, but I'm sitting there thinking, like, my gosh, you're getting regularly getting 10 yards on a first down. You're going to have a good day. Yeah. So shout out to Dobbins is running like a guy who's trying to play himself into a first round pick, no question. And you know, shout out to the, the the big hogs up front. Uh, my make my love of offensive line play no secret, but that's a big part of what's going on here. You, you you've had in um, the past. you would say okay, last season, you had some pretty good pass blocking, and the rush uh, rush blocking was uh, okay. <laughs> And Bo, you're you're having plenty of both this go round. The the slobs or whatever they're going by now are doing the deal. I saw saw a tweet uh, during the game from Orlando Pace shouting out some of the line plans. Like, hey, you know what? If the if the GOAT says it's okay, then it's okay by me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah. If Orlando Pace approves, then I don't know. Like, you're doing something right. You figured it out. Yeah. Um, You know, another great spot uh, on the uh, on the team, of course, was how the defense played against a guy who can be extremely dynamic and also can throw three interceptions and a half. As, you know, uh, Adrian Martinez did. Jeff Okuda had, you know, a great game by any measure. Um, I think one of the two interceptions is awesome. I think one of those little bit of a fluke, but that's okay. You'll take it. Yeah. Um, especially for a guy who had no interceptions basically in his career until what like a week ago mm-hmm. um, so it you know look everything seems to be doing really really well and again what I really like to see is that it it's not just like a talent differential it's clearly something that is being schemed and planned for and Ohio State you know they got look this is This is actually, to me, a really good sign, right? You've got a situation where Nebraska changes things up. They decide to open up the playbook from 1997, and they're doing really crazy, like, like triple option, and they're doing, like, you know, the the little, like, you know, flickers and stuff like that. And it's working for them, and Ohio State figures it out, right? The defensive coaching, they get together. The defensive staff gets together and, like, we can't allow this to happen for the entire game. We're going to make sure that we, you know, keep the ball in front of us. And Scott Frost wasn't able to continue that, right? And and again, I think maybe they got spooked because of the interception, you know, at the very end of that yeah, drive where they right. were doing that. But honestly, like that's the kind of thing you want to see out of a coaching staff, being able to take that panic moment and react to it and have the players be locked in with what you want to do. And that's exactly what happened. And mm-hmm. you know, Nebraska, again, to their credit, never stopped fighting, but also to Ohio State's coaching credit, uh, they never stopped coming up with ways to deny them what they were trying to do.
1: And and I think there's something to be said for Ryan Day. Urban Meyer did this um, for sure, but, but Ryan Day taking this uh, kind of no-holds-barred, no-mercy approach. I, I think there's something to be said for respecting your opponent, especially one like Nebraska and Scott Frost, yeah. respecting them enough to say, you know what, we're going to grind you into the turf. Um, yes, we're up by 30-some points, but we're going to keep playing the way we play um because that that you know what that's what you should do i i love so i'll pledge my undying fealty to the distinguished senator from youngstown however comma um i the 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 times that you let a team hang around you know it's out of this kind of gentleman's agreement of not running up the score those (laughs) those days are long since past. and i think you know you've got the horse's to continue playing ball. So the thing I liked about what you were talking about there with uh, some of the the creative offensive play calling, it's a good reminder that Frost is one of the better offensive coordinators in recent memory. Right. Um, you know his his time in Oregon was was pretty successful. He knows knows what he's doing there. Um, and and one of the reasons I think Nebraska can be good again is because he he has that ability flip side of that being that you know players make plays jeff Akuta coming up with that pick at the end of that drive that it looked like hey man nebraska's making some stuff happen it was a little that that was the one i think that was a little fluky interception but hey you know what my guy makes a play and it's a different ball game you know you 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 end that drive uh, you take the momentum firmly away from anything nebraska had going and it turns into points off turnovers for ohio state and totally changes the complexion of the game i would say this speaking of jeff okuda i mean that's my mvp of the game right there um that guy was fantastic i went into it thinking it, it would be chase young and two two sack day again and young was absolutely playing lights out again but Akuda, man he's another guy that's playing himself into a, a, a nifty paycheck when it comes time to play on sundays
0: yeah, no kidding. I mean, it was it, it's really cool to see some of these players who, you know, maybe didn't have the same kind of publicity or maybe were considered to be I don't want to say Okuda was a disappointment necessarily. He was definitely had yeah, the talent and the skills and all that, but just maybe underachieved in terms of the huge lofty expectations that we have for certain positions, especially cornerback. Um, and then producing in that way. I think it's just really, really fun to watch. So Ohio State wins incredibly convincingly. The road game at night doesn't phase them. Do a great job. And then the polls come out. And the polls are something that, you know, it's interesting because even in an era where, like, you know, none of these polls matter, honestly. The only thing that matters is the opinion of the playoff committee, right? Like, who cares what the coach's poll says at any point in time in the season, frankly. But the amount of (laughs) angst that – Uh, we still have in general about these polls just blows my mind. And earlier today, right, you know, people were getting all on Heather Denich for putting out some power, you know, poll ranking where she ranked basically every SEC team above Ohio State. And A, A, Heather, as dumb as that was, I'm not saying that wasn't dumb. She was like, she ranked them six or seven or something like that. Yeah, sick, stupid, but also completely irrelevant. And, and so I just think it's really like amazing to me that we are still so wrapped up and so worried about what some of these polls say. Look, Ohio State is fourth in the AP poll, they're fifth in the coaches' poll. That's fine, right? As long as they don't lose a stupid game, they're good to go, right? Like at the end of the season, if they're sitting at the top of the Big Ten standings and they didn't lose, a, they didn't drop a dumb game like Iowa or Purdue, right? They can even probably afford one loss to a really good opponent um, as long as they rebound from it. I mean, you know, to me, a lot of this is much to do about nothing. And it's not something that I personally get super worked up about, especially knowing that a lot of those teams in front of them are guaranteed, like half of them are guaranteed at least a loss. So I, you know, I don't understand why people freak out about it. That's, that's my take on the situation.
1: I, I'm I'm convinced this is an, a natural outgrowth of the years of listening to the, the, the Mark May type trolling. Uh, and, and, right. and And it's important to, differentiate and i think people in general have trouble differentiating between you know like reporters journalists and opinion havers you know so espn employs as as do any of the other you know sports networks that are that are trying to play this game right that you employ a number of professional opinion havers or take havers if you want to use the lingo of the interwebs and you know, there's a fine line between the ones who are analysts in the vein of, say, a Kirk Herbstreet or a Joe Klatt who are really truly trying to analyze the game and break it down at a, you know, even a play-by-play level and in the mechanics of it and so on and so forth, versus ones who, you know, are people like me that just get on a podcast and share their opinions for sixty right. minutes or, you know, do so with a with uh, you know, one hundred and forty characters at a time or two hundred and eighty, whatever the number is now. So th- there's a challenge in separating those two things. So you're right. Somebody like Denich um, has no say whatsoever in who gets into the playoff unless after you've been subjected to the, this trolling of, of, of all these years from somebody, the, the professional takehavers that you start to see the boogeyman you know, around every corner, it's oh SEC buy, <laughs> and ESPN does themselves no favors, right? With the the way their business models work, so sure, you have yeah. a you have a financial interest in the success of the SEC and the correct. ACC. The same can be said, by the way, of Fox having a professional um, interest in the financial success of the Big Ten Network. Also correct. Uh, so, yeah. so I mean, it's you know, Ohio State and the Big Ten are not immune to this. It just seems like the biggest megaphone is. Is in alignment with Ohio state's enemies, so to speak, if you want to make everything a war or a battle or a fight. So that that's where I think it becomes problematic because people, you can see the, the the possibility sure. of bias or impropriety or so on, whether it's there or not, the possibility of it. And you start to see, uh, it's kind of, you, you love conspiracy theories, right? This is a great one. <laughs> well, there's, look, there's, there's, there's all kinds of, uh, there's all kinds of ways you could see, conspiracy and malfeasance and so on. So <laughs> somebody like Dennich, she's influencing the voters or, she, you know, if, if these committee members listen to these talking heads, oh my gosh, aren't they going to be biased yeah, by you know, what they do, heard yeah. early in the season yeah no they probably here's, here's my only
0: here's, the only conspiracy theory the only college football conspiracy theory that i will continue to espouse is that i think half of the bulls are just for laundering money but that's oh, sure. that's, no. that's, that's a separate that's, that's a separate a
1: conspiracy complaint. theory is it that's a real thing
0: i feel like it actually like honestly <laughs> like i know it's supposed to be tongue-in-cheek i genuinely kind of think that but anyway we'll get to that at a later date yeah um but Uh, here's what I'll say about uh, the pollsters and the polling and things like that in general. Um, First of all, it's, it's super fluid. And then a lot of it really is, you know, it's, it's who you personally kind of glom onto. I think a lot of it just at the beginning of the season, there's so much inertia that teams get earned or unearned from all these preseason polls and all this hype that we do going into the first two or three weeks of the season where teams don't play anybody. Like there's no real way to evaluate these teams after playing crappy, you know, You know, I think this isn't at the beginning of the season. I was actually looking at Alabama's schedule today. Uh, They Mm -hmm. play Westchester University, which is not something I thought existed. And also, also like a small, like, you know, municipality in southwestern Ohio. I was like, oh, that's interesting. The the fighting John Boehners are going to get to play Alabama (laughs) this year. That's good. (laughs) I'm proud of them. Uh, So I just, it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't, I understand why, People would get upset if they believe that there's bias involved. But I also need people to understand that our personal desire and need to have this like preseason top 10 poll. And like, we got to make sure the polling gets out a certain, you know, day in August because everybody wants to schedule this stuff because that's what the, you know, that's what the media dictates and that's what the people who are reading it want. Our desire to have all of this college football coverage year round is what leads to us creating narratives before the season starts. So I would yeah. like to see, I would like to see these polls not come out until October. I think that's the smart thing to do. I think most people, when you ask them who are college fans, would agree with that because they know that there's really hard to establish who's the best and who isn't, you know, the very beginning of the season. But because of how we consume information about football, because we won it 24-7, 365 we're going to get that. So unless people all of a sudden say, "Nah, I'm good. I don't need I don't need all this preview stuff in August." We're going to have this and we're going to have to deal with this situation. So again, it's dumb, but it's kind of a product of of how we consume college football and it's, you know, to me I'm not too worried about it. And I understand why people would be pissed if they see like Alabama, right, who terrible schedule so far or clemson who did not look good against north carolina and and frankly you know if mac brown calls a non-stupid play in the two-point conversion right like might have actually won that game against clemson so you know i understand you see that and you go "Well, that's stupid that ohio state would be considered fourth but also understand that ohio state got a number of first place votes including that of reese davis right in the ap poll um, they're not being ignored. They're still ranked fourth in the country, which is still a playoff position right now. You know, again, not that that's actually taking consideration by the playoff committee. But regardless, it's, this is not a situation where Ohio State has this amazing team that's just being overlooked. They're not UCF, okay? And that's, <laughs> and, and if you, and that's the other thing that pisses me off because Ohio State fans will go like, yeah, man, Ohio State's being disrespected. And there'll be some, you know, non-power five team that's kicking ass and like, you know, is rated 10th and undefeated at the end of the season and people turn their noses up at them and go, nah, you don't deserve it. Sorry. (laughs) You play a real schedule. And it's just, it's, it's all silly and ridiculous, but look, Ohio state's in a good position right now. I think they'll be fine. Just win out. You're good.
1: That's the, that's the kicker is, you know, you, you win the games that are in front of you. That's the the big problem Ohio state's had for two years running, right? Is you lost the one game you couldn't lose. So if, Clemson as an example loses to North Carolina in week 5 which they were, you know, one stupid two-point conversion play away from doing. Right. Then their season's over because they have right. they, they don't have a way of playing back in it because they play one of the most abysmal schedules in the history of abysmal schedules in in probably like well, I mean if you just totally discount the Pac-12, so if there are Really, four power conferences. <laughs> right? Then, then you look and say, okay, the ACC is woefully behind the Big Ten, Big Twelve, and SEC. So they they lose any. And now you know you look at Clemson's schedule. I mean, they certainly could cakewalk into the playoff because Florida State, bad. Louisville, I don't know. Boston College, ah, uh, fine. They play something called Wofford in the first week of November. <laughs> And then you finish with NC State. Wake Forest, currently ranked. All right. And then uh, South Carolina in the rivalry game the last week of the season. Uh, That's not exactly a murderer's row. It is not. Um, But the same token, you know, you look and say, okay, what are the ranked games Ohio State has ahead of it? Well, there's some pretty tough games yet on Ohio State's schedule, even if it's not the toughest schedule in the country this season.
0: Right. And, and again, you win those games, you're good to go. And and like, I know, I know it's frustrating to see teams that don't have that schedule and haven't played the same schedule Ohio state has, which I mean, Ohio state, I mean, look, I think the teams that they've played are uh, better than what most people would assume, but they're still not that much better. <laughs> right. You know, like they're not, they're not, you know, they're not all complete cupcakes, but they're also, they're not cracking the top 25 probably too, you know, relatively soon here so i just i think you know people probably need to keep that in mind you've got michigan state coming up with for example which you know breath you know (laughs) take a deep breath and and you know of relief here because they did crack the top 25 on both polls um but you know I, I was fixing to be upset about that you
1: know it, it, the little part of me that isn't irrational get mad about polls <laughs> <laughs> you know normal normal fan and fanatic is was like oh you watch this sparty's gonna fall out of the top 25 darn their hides but that's the uh, thing though
0: because if ohio State beats them they're out of the top 25 anyway so like it's six of one does, it? The other. Either, <laughs> does it does or, it matter <laughs> no either either they weren't in the top 25 this week Right. And, you know, Ohio State doesn't play a ranked opponent or they immediately get dropped once Ohio State wins. The alternative, of course, is Ohio State losing <laughs> to validate Michigan State's position. But that'd be stupid. We don't want that. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So not to good. me, that just illustrates the ridiculousness of all of this. I'm excited for the game. Um, I've got tickets. It's going to be a beautiful Saturday. Apparently it's going to be, I guess, like 60 and sunny and crisp and actually like fall, as opposed to like the, you know, Satan's butthole that it's been for the past three weeks. Um, so I'm really pumped about that. Uh, I, you know, and again, it's a Mark Dantonio team. I think they're wearing their black unis. Is that the, the rumor on the streets? That's that's the word. Yeah, that's the, you know, so the, the word on the streets, we got the, the black unis are coming out. That's gonna be fun. It's gonna be dark. out. I just, you know, that's fun. That's fun for me. And by the way, real quick, we'll get into Michigan state a little towards the end here. How do you feel about those uniforms? Is that your, is that your, your deal? Because, (laughs) you know, I want to tell you something previous co-host, Bo hated them. Absolutely
1: hate it. Oh, I, no, they turned out much better than I expected. I think when it was like the, the, the season that, how many years ago was that now that they rolled out. Has that, Is that it been four years ago? It's been I a think. while. It's been yeah, a while. So the, the first, and there was all the hype building up to it. And I was, you know, I was for sure, uh, grandpa Simpson yelling at clouds, uh, <laughs> the kids these days. I, I don't get jacked up about the alt uni craze. Sure. Uh, I will say Ohio state has cranked out some, some pretty decent ones over the years, but I go back to those 2014 playoff kits uh, with the gray stripes and man. Yeah. Play those, wear those every single week and I can die a happy man. There's, there's just no sense in screwing around with the best uniform in, in college football. That said, the black kits are okay i mean if this is something that the the kids really <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the thing that helps some five star recruit pull the trigger to come to ohio state instead of somewhere else well then by all means let's let's roll out the elder uniforms and uh in my opinion really doesn't matter uh they're okay they're fine
0: i look i have no problem with alt unis provided that they're good, right? Like yeah. Ohio State, as you mentioned, has said some great alternate uniforms, and I think you know, especially I really like the you know like the the Chick Harley kind of throwbacks, right? Which were badass. I love those. Um, I they did some other things earlier on. The cocaine whites are like ridiculous. The cocaine um, whites
1: were were my fit, and and see, there's one where I'm like I I struggle to call those a true. Alternate uniform in that—that's fair. That's fair. It's an all—you know—it's an all-white road uniform, but extremely well done. And sometimes I think doing something like that—that is—it's—it's subtly different in that you're not just completely throwing it out and doing the Oregon thing or the Michigan State ones where it looked like they were giant highlighters gone horribly wrong. You you know, you're still staying true to your your brand, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I don't know that Ohio State's really had a bad all uni like i don't know that they had they've had something i was like okay fine we don't have to see those again but i don't know that there were any <laughs> that just made me irrationally angry with how bad they were
0: yeah i i mean yeah that's the thing i mean it does feel sometimes that you're just you're kind of waiting for something to drop and you're like oh god this is gonna be you know <laughs> I don't I don't want to watch a, a three-and-a-half-hour thing with this. Um, but I like – look, I like the black ones. I like the black ones. I thought when they brought them out against Penn State – and again, because Penn State does the whiteout, right? Yep. You know, so it's good to have a counter to that. I Logical. enjoy the fact – because I went to the very first one against Penn State where they were wearing the black uniforms, and I was wearing uh, my black Ohio State hoodie, and I'm like, man – because one of the things about State, look, one of the things about Ohio State fans is it's like hurting cats. Trying to get anybody <laughs> to do anything in mass is just a hopeless exercise in futility. Ninety percent of the time, uh, but that uniform, that that uniform and the the ask that it for Ohio Stadium, that stadium was blacked out. Everybody was in black, and it was sick. It was freaking awesome, and they did it again the next time they did it, and it was awesome again. And yeah. so I'm a huge fan of that. I think it's great. I love when people are all kind of getting together and doing that type of thing. Um, I'm excited for the Michigan State game. I, I don't know if that's going to be like an official going with blackout, but if you're wearing the uniforms, you might as well. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun. i excited.
1: Because in a night game too, you know, yeah. that's, that, that that works. I mean, the whiteout right. works for Penn State, especially at night. You got the lights, it's all sparkly. And you the know, same thing with the blackout. I mean, the pictures that came out of uh, the stadium, that the, that game. I mean, they were just really. You do it at you know a noon game; it's not quite as impactful. But prime time game around the stadium's dark. Oh, it's great. I think it's uh, pretty cool. By the way, hats off to Nebraska again. That uh, thing they do where uh, with the red and the lights and so on was pretty was pretty swabey. Oh yeah, that was. It was, sick. it was a shame they were getting their tails kicked. You know <laughs> when it happened, and of course the team they're playing also wears scarlet. But yeah. you know it's neither here nor there.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, from our beat writers, you know, who were obviously in the stadium, they were they were saying it was just a really cool atmosphere. And, you know, what they did, you know, with the cell phones and the lights and everything. I mean, they said it was really awesome in person, which, again, I want to see Ohio State do more of that kind of thing. It's just really hard to get Ohio State fans all on the same page with that kind of stuff. So we'll talk a little bit about the Michigan State game before we get out of here. We'll give us your uh, predictions uh, rather vice versa. We'll give you our predictions, which, of course, will be dead on. Um <laughs> as they always are. Always. But before we do that, uh, we want to remind you check out the dry goods store at drygoods.11warriors.com shirts, hats, stickers, and more. Drygoods.11Warriors.com. Let's do ask us anything. Hooray. It is time to ask and answer questions from you. You can do that by sending us questions to dubcast at eleven warriors.com or at eleven dubcast on Twitter. Let's start off with our good friend Suncard. Uh, Suncard wants to know. Are you still recording on Mondays? Yes, but not today. But We're not today. <laughs> That's one of his questions. That's actually less important. The second question that he wants to know, and this goes back to our conversation we just had, do you think Ohio State will ever elect to wear white as the home team? Do you think the game will ever be played? I assume the game in capital letters, even though he didn't do that, will ever be uh, played with solid on solid? I think they should. I think they 100% should do that. I think that would be sick. Um, I don't know why they don't do that. I under like I understand like logistically maybe, but I think that would just be an awesome, awesome thing to see. I would love that. Instead of an yeah, alternate uniform I mean, for the mission game, just wear home and home. That'd be sick. I love it.
1: Hundred percent on board with that. I don't I don't know that I see them ever wearing the whites at home. Probably not. No. That part of the question is probably in, to, to quote Randy Jackson it's a no for me dog, but <laughs> absolutely would love to see both teams of the game wear the home kits because again you know given the devil it's due uh, the team up north has a a pretty fine set of threads as far as iconic college football uniforms go uh kind of irks me in a way that they have nice uniforms and a nice fight song because i want nothing but bad things for them but
0: well they also have a terrible game right now so it doesn't you know
1: (laughs) yeah yeah so i guess you know home home on home sign me up
0: yeah no i'm I'm down for that too and you know look a lot of people want to see that iconic they want everything to kind of say the same right especially when it comes to the uh the rivalry games and whatnot and i understand that um uh, you don't want to fall into the trap of getting too cute and you know having a michigan state moment where you you know <laughs> let's put lime green on our uniform this sounds like a good idea you know you don't want to you don't want to get too goofy with it but i think the home and home unis would be really sweet solid color on solid color i think would be a move at some point uh this next one's from Alvin. He asked us last week. He wanted to know what is the team's weakness, and he wants to know the same thing this week. If something has changed after the Nebraska game, or do we uh, do we feel less uh, trepidatious, I guess, about some of those potential weaknesses that we saw?
1: Boy, I, again, uh, we struggled to answer this last week. With we you know, I think we both I think we both agreed like the the linebackers only, just because that was the most obvious issue.
0: By Did the way, go with the team. By the way, linebacker play against Nebraska unbelievable. Oh, they were yes, so, so great, Browning really. flying around everywhere. Pete Warner obviously blew up a guy. Like I mean,
1: Pete, Pete Warner killed a man with a trident.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I killed a man with a trident. That's um, quickly. He was sick. They were great. So I don't. I mean, are there weaknesses that you see? Uh,
1: no, I mean yeah. I don't want to say. I mean I don't want to say that you know they're not there, but uh beat king dan hope had a great had a great set of stats um if you look at every face uh, f- facet of ohio state r- right now they're in the top 10 nationally you know, if you look at uh total offense scoring offense total defense scoring defense top, that's the only team in the country that's all all four of those categories you're in the top 10 um i i talk about um uh, bill Connolly's sp plus right um, ratings a lot because i think I think the data it's helpful to really when you can't when you can't see every team play every team the data is helpful Uh, and so I look now and say Ohio State's three tenths of a point off Alabama Alabama's number one Ohio State's number two and you know what number three in his defensive ratings and number five in his offensive ratings Uh, compare that to an Oklahoma that's one offensive and forty two defensive you compare that to a Clemson that's fifteenth offense and five defense you know so Ohio State has this tremendous balance. Um, And and complete. That's the thing, you know, just that they're a complete team and because I can't look special teams. Obviously, this is how, you know, Ohio State is good at every facet when like I was ticked off that one punt that they had that the gunner didn't down the thing at the two because that's the expectation. (laughs) Right, Right, right. I, I right. was like, and "Oh, great. Also, make your punter look bad because
0: Exactly. Like that's the thing. You've got one of the best punters in the country, maybe Jeez. the best punter in the country and you're like, "Damn it, you've got to you've got to finish the play." And I mean, it's Alabama
1: struggles to make field goals and you know, Ohio State just does they do everything well. So, no, right. I'm not I'm I'm not seeing it yet, Alvin. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's something there and the better competition if there's a weakness, Michigan State will find it. How's that?
0: Yeah. And here's here's what I would say. I don't know I mean I'm with you. I don't think they've shown a weakness thus far. It's it's honestly when they are firing in all cylinders and they're doing what they want to do there's really nothing. I mean let's the thing that I would say about this question is that to answer it you really have to fall into the realm of hypotheticals. Mm-hmm. I can't give you an example of something that I've seen the past 3 games here that indicates to me that they have a weakness. I, I can't now, granted uh, some of that's because of the competition. They haven't played, you know, this murderer's row that can exploit certain things. And, you know, especially specific matchups, like maybe on offensive line or whatever, if you've got, a, you know, you're playing a team with an incredible defensive lineman, right. And they rotate them on the worst offensive lineman. Maybe those types of weaknesses will reveal themselves. But again, that's all hypothetical. I can't give a solid answer to that yet. And I, I think eventually maybe I will, And you know, as the competition gets a little more stiff, but right now they look as completed team in college football. And again, that's another going back to our initial conversation. That's why I can understand some people being kind of irked, you know, that Ohio state would still be ranked behind some of these teams, because to me, they are definitely one of the top two or three teams in the country. I would probably put them at maybe two, but I can totally see an argument for putting them at number one. So right now, no, I don't, I don't really think that they, (laughs) that they have a huge weakness right now. And it'll be interesting to see if anybody can actually show one.
1: I did think of, I did think of one, the okay. one weakness quarterback depth.
0: Yeah. And that's fair. And that's, but honestly, chugging off when he's come in, looks look good. <laughs> he looks like he's capable of running, you know, that same offense. I mean, again, he's not just in fields, but yeah,
1: well, and, and, and so this is a good reminder, like the the Ohio state, uh, 2014 run. you, you went through three quarterbacks in the span of a season. Like that's right. not, that's not normal. Like most teams, no qb1 goes down there's going to be a, a not insignificant drop off uh so that would i mean that's the one i was in the fourth quarter uh or even late in the third i'm sitting there saying okay why is field still in the ball game this is kind of disconcerting but you know all's well that ends well guy needs his reps okay
0: yeah i mean it's I don't obviously. I mean, no one wants to see Justin Fields get hurt or injured. Uh, I do think there's less of a chance of that because of the style of offense and the scheme that they're running. I mean, when you're doing all these zone reads and stuff, and, you know, especially for JT Barrett, you've got to keep the ball, you know, 20 times a game sometimes. uh, There's more of a chance, you know, for you to get hurt. I don't think you're going to see that necessarily with Justin Fields. And and hopefully that helps his longevity because I, you know, obviously do not want to see that guy get hurt at all, uh, considering how well he's playing. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, to me, I do think depth could be an issue. I also think the cast around, uh, whoever the quarterback is can really help mitigate some of those problems. And I'm not saying like there wouldn't be a huge drop off between Justin Fields and Chris. Turner. Obviously that would be enormous, right? Like that'd be a huge difference. But when JK Dobbins is running this well and the wide receivers are that good, um, it, you you can help that out a little bit. So hopefully nothing like that happens and Ohio State keeps Justin Fields upright and healthy for the entire season. Um but even if that, you know, the worst did happen, I still think they would be a really, you know, dangerous team overall. Uh last question here. This is an interesting question. So this one comes from Sam. Sam wants to know if you at this point uh in this season, right? You're um uh you're like in charge of marketing for Ohio State, I guess is what he's saying. And you want to publicize one of the players on the team for the Heisman Trophy. You want to ramp up that campaign. Who do you pick and why?
1: Chase Young, hands down. I, yeah. I look and say that, that guy uh, may be the best defensive lineman Ohio state has seen. I hate to put a number on, but in, in a while, I mean, just really disruptive does, does everything right. Even, you know, I, I said um, I thought he'd have a you know a two sack day yesterday. at had, had a strip sack. He's had how many number number of strip sacks over the season? So I mean, just creating havoc wherever he goes. And and I really think the pressure that he and the others on the defensive line put on Martinez was a big part of the reason he had uh, the ungodly number of picks that he did. And and you know they held him to his worst. I think the worst performance of his career uh, rushing and, uh, passing. So, you know, I, I, look and say he is an incredibly important part of the reason the offense is able to be, um, so dominant on that side of the ball is because the defense is creating opportunities for them. You look at the points off turnovers, uh, against Nebraska is a good example. I'm, I'm just blown away. Now that said, we all know the, the Heisman trophy has largely become the the best quarterback, uh, right. award over the past you know 10 years or or maybe even longer so it's it's really hard for me to see a defender getting an invite let alone um, getting getting to the top of the heap but uh, if if I were going to put one out there and, and part of it too I would say I think Fields is for sure the straw that stirs the drink uh, but he's he's got some stiff competition ahead of him in terms of teams and quarterbacks I'm thinking about Oklahoma as an example where systematically they're just going to put up video game numbers fields hasn't needed to play four quarters he may not have to play four quarters in quite a few of these games and because of the depth situation i don't think they're just going to throw him to the wolves so i don't know if it wasn't young maybe dobbins dobbins pretty good Mm -hmm. but i'm really sold on chase young
0: yeah here's the reason why i would say i would agree with you and say chase young it's not necessarily that he would have a better shot of winning the heisman than you know the other you know dobbins or or uh, fields you know where ohio state to push them i just think it's the right thing to do <laughs> like you know again i love what justin fields and jk dobbins have done this season they are have just done some amazing things and, and are really really playing well uh but i really you know first of all just my own personal bias i just think defensive players are criminally overlooked for this award yes. um especially when you have the kind of impact that a guy like chase young has on every single play um and the other thing is, is like, you know, Chase Young really has had to pay his dues in a lot of ways in terms of publicity and people getting you known. And I, and I will harp on this every week. I just think this guy deserved to ha- deserves to have the same kind of hype as is afforded to a lot of other Ohio State players. And, you know, I, I, would I be sad if Justin Fields gets a nomination and ends up going to New York for the Heisman ceremony? No, I would, I would love that. I think that'd be incredible. Uh, But I just would really love to see a guy like Chase Young, who was doing what he's doing, three strip sacks in the last two games, right? That doesn't, that's not like total impact on the game. It's just three strip sacks in the last two games. Um, I want to see him get a little more publicity. And so he's probably the guy that I would pick. So would I, do I think he would have the best chance of winning of the three? No, I think that's Justin Fields. But uh, I think he is probably the most deserving, at least in my eyes. Not not necessarily in terms of like stats, but just because of impact in the game and the dues that he's had to pay. Um, so that's Ask Us Anything. Keep sending those in. Those are great questions this week. And let's let's roll this thing out of here. Let's finish this up uh, on Michigan State. So Michigan State right now, I, I I think the line when we started this podcast was probably around 19 and a half. Uh, and who knows? Maybe it's like 22, 23 by the time we finish recording. Um Give me a score prediction. What I mean, again, it's earlier in the week, right? It's a Sunday. We're recording this. How are you feeling about this matchup against Sparty?
1: I um, I I am. I probably give Sparty more credit than maybe I should, and some of that's, you know, like the, the ghost of Christmas past and, and the times that uh, Mark D'Antonio and his uh, scrappy band of underdogs and misfits have rained on Ohio State's parade. So I, maybe I'm, maybe I'm a little gun shy in that. Uh, this is one where I'll be a little more nervous about Ohio state covering. I had no doubt in my mind, Ohio state was going to cover in Lincoln, none none whatsoever. Um, But you, you know, look and say, okay, Sparty didn't cover against Indiana. All right. Indiana's is not a terrible ball club. Um, I don't, I don't think Indiana's terrible, but uh, Spartans just have a way of, Messing with Ohio State's mojo. I think Ohio State's maybe less prone to that this season than I would have said in seasons past. But as I as I look at uh, Connolly's ratings, as that's kind of my how I set the line barometer. Ohio State looks to be about a fourteen and a half point favorite on a neutral field. So give them an extra two and a half. Maybe that seventeen, seventeen and a half point spread is is was a pretty good one. I might be a little more nervous at nineteen or, or twenty points where I have a feeling we're going.
0: So here's the thing about Michigan State. Michigan State this season thus far has been like the quintessential Michigan State Mark D'Antonio team, right? Like really good against some teams, and then decide to score seven points against Arizona State, right, and lose. Um, And they're just so so up and down and bipolar when it comes to how like what you're going to see on any given day. They have some really good players. I mean, you know, like they've got some whiteouts who are legit. Uh, Stewart is like. Like, Daryl Stewart is a legit wide receiver. He's a senior. He's already got, like, over 550 yards receiving. Uh, the work is, I mean, again, like, good, usually, but then sometimes not. Uh He's only got one interception on in the year, but against 10 touchdowns. Uh, it, it's just such, you never know what you're going to get. Even at home, even at night, when you should have a gigantic advantage, you just don't know where you're going to get against this team. Uh, right now, the line's at negative uh, 20, right? Like, Ohio State's got you know, 20 points on them. Um, I think that's probably a lot too. I would probably put it more towards like maybe 16 or 17 at this point. I mean, that's kind of, that's a field goal, right? We're not talking about a huge difference. right? Um, You know, again, I I don't really have, I'm not afraid of Ohio State dropping this game. That's not something I'm worried about.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. I absolutely think Ohio State's going to win for sure. Yeah,
0: I'm just curious. I'm just curious about how, um, how safe the, the victory is going to be really. And, and again, like I'm not trying to be super overconfident here, but it's, it'll be curious to me, which a, which Michigan state team comes out and b, you know, again, it's another opportunity for Ohio state and Ryan day to prove that this scheme that they have, this philosophy that they have is is not just kind of a fluke where they're just kind of riding this hive, you know, feeling good about themselves, but it's a, it's a legitimately like planned out, schemed out, you know, program, um if that's the case they'll roll and i don't think they're gonna have to you know they're not gonna worry about sparty you know coming up and biting him in the ass or anything like that um but if if mark d'antonio does his magic and ends up doing goofy stuff then the game could get a little hinky uh, at least in the first half but i'm not super worried about it i think ohio state's gonna you know present a good face for me and my wife we're gonna have a really nice evening and the nice crisp fall air. And, uh, I think it'll be fun. So for me, I think Ohio state will probably win something like maybe 42 to like 20 or well, eh, I, let's, let's go down a little bit. Let's say about 35, 17, something like that. I think that might be a little more, a little more apt. They D'Antonio might figure out a way to clamp down on a little bit. On the other hand, high State of course, could score 70 and win by 50. I don't know. Right? Like there's really no way of knowing against Michigan state. And that's part of the fun of playing it. um, but that's that's the dubcast for this week. I, I you know, I'm excited because I think this is another example for Ohio State to kind of show their bona fides, win against a briefly ranked team. So that'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> and when that happens, we'll be back after that to to break it all down. So thanks for listening and and Andy, I look forward to talking to you next week.
1: Have a great one, Johnny. See you then.